subject matter about as far as we're going to get wasn't really enough to do a handout with. And so I don't have a handout for you, but I want to look at this subject matter of the power of prayer. The power of prayer. If you have your Bibles, let's look to James, James chapter 5, and uh, we'll begin reading down in verse number 14. James chapter 5 and verse number 14. I'll give you a moment there to find the scripture. And you're probably familiar with this passage, but it is a, uh, a encouraging passage of Scripture dealing with the subject of prayer. James 5, 14, the Bible says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one uh, convert them, let's read verse number 20, it says, Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, shall hide a multitude of sins. Here the Bible is talking about praying and uh, praying one for another. The Bible says that we should pray one for another. And that's what we're going to do here in just a few minutes when we uh, pray over our prayer list. We're going to pray one for another. And so the Bible is saying that, the Bible says here that the effectual uh, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In the Greek, that word here that's used for effectual and fervent is a Greek word by uh, called energo. Energio, um, and it literally means to work or to be in action. And it's a, a double word here. It's used twice in a row. And it says the effectual fervent. It means to work or to labor. And it gives a, uh, being doubled up here, used twice in a row, it signifies uh, a great labor or uh, strenuous labor. And so the effectual, fervent prayer, it's that, uh, that prayer of labor, of deep work. The Bible says the prayer, uh, effectual prayer of a righteous man, or a lady for that matter, it availeth much, that it has much profit in it. And so I want to, looking at the power of prayer, we see here that there is the labor of prayer. Um, really this, this double usage here uh, talks about this this effectual, fervent prayer. It's almost a, uh, a type of wrestling, and it really reminds me of Genesis chapter 32, um, verses 22 through 32, looking at um, when Jacob wrestled with God. Remember, Jacob wrestled with God, and through the night, and the Lord finally reached down and touched his hip and, and uh, changed his name. Um, we understand that it's not that God could not overpower Jacob, all right? Jacob did not have the power of God who spoke the heavens and the worlds, the universe 
into existence. Jacob did not have the same power as God that he could wrestle with him all night. But really what this scripture is saying is that Jacob would not uh, concede. He would not yield until God was willing to answer his prayers and work in his life. And it shows the type of faith that Jacob had that he was willing to wrestle with God, not that he was fighting against him, but that he was, um, he was holding on for dear life to God, that God, I need you to work in my life. And so there is a, an aspect of prayer that um, requires uh, labor. And we're going to look at that here momentarily, but um, prayer can be work. And true prayer is work. And I dare say that one of the reasons our churches have neglected to pray is because, like everything else in our life, we have become uh, maybe complacent or lazy in our labor endeavors. We want to do what's easy, not what is profitable. And so prayer requires work. But dealing with the power of prayer, I want to look at success of prayer. Um, what is success in prayer and what does it take to obtain success in prayer? As we've looked the last several weeks at prayer itself, we understand that um, as we say, what does it mean to have answered prayers? What is it to be successful in prayer? Really is very subjective. Um, it really depends upon what we're measuring success in our prayer up against. If we're me measuring the successfulness of prayer, by how much we get what we ask for, or how much we get our way, um, our success in prayer may be very limited. But when we measure our success in prayer is that we have reached the heart of God and God's will has been done in our life, that's really the measure of success in prayer, is that is God's will done in our lives. And so we must be careful that when we say uh, we have power in prayer, success in prayer, that we're measuring by the correct measurement. And so if not, we can, um, uh, we can be distorted in our uh, view of prayer. Ultimately, success in prayer, as I said, is recognized by the Father's will being accomplished in our life. Um, there are, however, certain tools that can be used um, so that we can be effective in our prayer, that we might have power in our prayer. And I want to look at a few of these things tonight, and uh, we will begin to look at some tools that you and I can utilize that may help us to be more effective in prayer. If I were to ask you, I'm, I would assume that most Christians would say, listen, I want to have as much power in prayer as I can possibly have. And I believe that we need to have as much power in prayer as possible. Why? Because our church depends upon it. But not only our church, but our community and the lost, they depend upon it. And it is vital that as God's people, we have power in prayer. And so in his book, The Five Laws That Govern Prayer, S.D. Gordon suggested four items uh, that can strengthen our prayers. And I want to look at these four items, four avenues that we should examine that can help us to have success in our prayer life. The first thing is that we must recognize and understand that prayer needs a time. Prayer needs a time. Um, daily time, quiet time, 
time when you are rested and ready to engage in the laborious duty of prayer. It's a time when we are saying, listen, I am going to set a time aside where I am willing and ready to engage in the, in, in the work, the labor of prayer. Uh, Jesus is, and I want to ask you, is Jesus not worthy of our best time? Ain't he worthy of our very best? And see, the problem is a lot of times, I think every Christian has a desire to pray. If you're a child of God, I think you can't help but have a desire somewhere in your heart to pray. The problem is we just don't put a priority on it. And so when we don't put a priority on prayer, we want to pray. We just get busy and run out of time. And then we end up giving God, if we give him any time at all, we give him the leftovers. He gets a few moments here and there. And so if we want to be successful in our prayer and have power in our prayer, we should learn to have a time set apart in our lives for prayer. Um, Gordon said, every man must make his own rules and fight his own fight. However, if you can manage your time so that you can find time alone and so that alone... And so alone that you are not alone at all, that is victory. Finding a time where and a place where you are set apart with God so that you can reach heaven, that's a victory in prayer. If you cannot find time, um, you will stumble here and therefore your tale will end up being more or less uh, a story of defeat in your prayer life. And so prayer needs a time. Not only does prayer need a time, but it needs a designated time. Um, for Jesus, that time of prayer was often at night. In Luke chapter 6, in verse number 12, the Bible says that in those days he went up to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And so Jesus often prayed at night. Um, Mark, but in, however, in Mark chapter 1, Verse number 35, we find that it says in rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus also prayed in the morning. Matter of fact, if we look at it, um, you find that Jesus really had a pattern of praying early in the morning and late at night. He had a pattern of praying in the morning and the evening. But of course, we know he prayed throughout the day as well. He would pray to the Father, and, and uh, such as when he blessed the food. Uh, for the feeding of the 5,000, and there were other times where Christ prayed. But he seemed to have a pattern of praying morning and evening. And so Jesus seemed to have a designated time where he went and, pray, and prayed. Um, it is important that we have a, uh, a designated time to pray. And what I found in my life is, and maybe you're better than, at this than I am, but if I don't set aside a time, if I don't schedule time, um, I end up with good intentions that go unmet. Um, just an example, how often have you had a family member or a friend, maybe you hadn't seen in a while, and you run across them or talk to them on the phone or Facebook, social media, somewhere, and you say, you know what, we ought to get together sometime. And they say, man, that'd be great. Let's do that. But if you don't schedule a time right then and right there, does it happen? Not usually. We have good intentions. We know we ought to do it. But if we don't schedule it, 
A good intention is about as far as it ever gets. And a lot of times that happens with Christians as well in our prayer time. If we don't schedule a time with God, um, we mean well, but it don't happen. Um, and even when we schedule it, sometimes things still happen. I can pull out my phone. I've got it somewhere around here. And um, as you look at my phone, every Thursday I've got set apart for me and my wife uh, to have time together. On my calendar, every Thursday, it says from 4 o'clock on the rest of the day, it says something. I've got something scheduled, and that something is time with my wife. I've had it that way for two years. Every time I look at my calendar, every day, I see Thursday, I've got something to do. And even though it's scheduled, don't ask my wife, but um, it don't always happen. Matter of fact, moving and transitioning and with kids, hard to find babysitters, even with it scheduled, um, a lot of times it's rare to happen. And so I, I, we try, but if we don't schedule it, it never happens. And so it's important that we have a, a specific time of prayer. But not only should we have a specific time of prayer, I believe also it's important that we have sufficient time to pray. Sufficient time to pray. In Luke chapter 6, we find that Jesus prayed all night long. And you say, Pastor, how much time do I need to pray? The truth is, I can't really answer that. There are times when you have time and you need to pray for an extended length of time. Yet there are some times you just don't have time to pray much. You say, really? Sometimes you can't pray? I'll be honest with you, there's been times where you've been in a vehicle and about being a wreck. And all you have time to say is, Lord, help me, and the time's up. You may not always have time to pray. Sometimes your prayers may be quick. But there are some times where it takes time to pray. And so we should allow a sufficient time to, prayer, uh, to pray. Don't limit yourself in prayer. Pray. You say, Pastor, how long do I pray? Pray until your soul is at peace with God. Pray until... You feel you've been in the presence of the Lord. Pray until you can get up off your knees knowing that you've been in God's presence. Your prayer may be a minute long. Your prayer may take a half an hour. Or at times in your life, it may be like Jesus who prayed all night long. But pray. Often we think of prayer... And uh, we, we, we cut it short. We make a quick prayer and think, well, that's good enough. I'm done my duty for the day. I can say I prayed and talked to God. And yet Jesus prayed short, but often we see Jesus Christ going away for a time of prayer. When I was in Israel uh, um, a, a couple years ago, we, that first morning we were in Galilee. We headed out from where we were staying up towards uh, uh, Magdala and uh, uh, we were headed there up the Galilean coast. And we get there right in the area where Jesus lived and did his ministry. And the mountains there go high, really high. But they're not slow, steady inclines. They look almost straight up and down. They are steep mountains. And the Bible often says that Jesus went up into the mountain to pray. That wasn't a leisurely stroll. 
he worked and labored to get to a place to pray. And he would go there and he would pray and he would spend time in prayer. And so we find that Jesus would take time to pray. Uh, we find often that he would pray for an extended period of time. I want to say, I ask you, uh, although Jesus didn't pray for an hour or more, every time he prayed, he did often. And I want to ask you, when's the last time you prayed for an hour? Just one hour. When's the last time you prayed for uh, 15 minutes? I'll go even further for the average Christian and say, when's the last time you prayed for five minutes? And almost everybody will say, oh, I do that all the time. Put a stopwatch on. You might be surprised how long five minutes takes when you're praying. If you're not used to it, five minutes can seem like an eternity when you go to pray. However, uh, we can spend an hour watching a TV show, and it goes by just like that, don't it? We can spend an hour on the phone with someone or with our kids or grandkids, and hours can go by really fast. Ladies, you can spend hours shopping and time is gone for you. Where did the time go? It flies by. But go to pray. And I'm going to tell you, I've done it before, especially when I was not used to praying very much. And I've sat here and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've went through every prayer request I could think of at the moment and thought, man, it's had to have been an hour. I've been praying for a long time and looked out of my watch and it had been about two minutes. <laughs> we don't put a priority on it. We must learn to be given a sufficient amount of time to pray. I would say that prayer for the believer, for the church, has not lost its power or effectiveness. However, somewhere along the line, the church, and I'm not just saying North Etowah, I'm talking about the church, God's people as a whole, somewhere, we, for the most part, we've lost our love for the fellowship of God. Just a few minutes here and there, we've satiated our appetite for God's presence, We've spent a few little minutes. We've made ourselves feel good. We did our duty as a Christian. We said a quick prayer to God, and we're okay. And so we've lost that desire to truly sit down and fellowship with him. And I'll say that um, uh, the more you learn to pray, the more in love with prayer you'll become. You get to where you just want to spend that time with the Lord. But then thirdly, um, prayer also, um, it requires patience. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. The Bible says you ought to pray and don't give up. Don't faint. Don't fall by the wayside. Continue to pray. And sometimes we have to be uh, patient in our prayers. Um, in Daniel chapter 10, 12 through 14, uh, we find that the prayer, Daniel's prayer was hindered because uh, the kingdom of Persia withstood uh, the Lord and the angel of the Lord and delayed the prayer. Um, so sometimes there's just outside influences that uh, satanic influences even that are working that God still works but sometimes they can hinder um, the process of prayer and prayers answered 
Sometimes um, God may delay the answer to our prayer to allow for conviction and repentance. In Psalm 66, 18, it says, If I had uh, uh, cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have uh, heard me. And so sometimes I believe that God delays our prayers to allow time for um, conviction and repentance in our hearts. And so as we pray, we must learn to be patient in our prayers for God to answer. Sometimes God delays um, prayers so that he can gain the glory in our lives. You say, really, God does that? Well, he does. In John chapter 11, um, 1 through 4, you find that uh, Mary had came to the Lord because Lazarus was sick and he was about to die. And she says, Lord, come. And it seems like if you read the story, God almost just, Jesus almost just kind of dilly-dallies around and takes his time going. And when they get there, they said, Lord, if you'd have been here on time, he would have lived. And the Lord said, I'm right when I'm supposed to be here. And God raised up Lazarus, and Jesus retained all of the glory. And so we must learn to say, listen, when we pray, we must be patient and allow God to work in our lives and through our lives so that his will can be done. And so we see that prayer needs time. It needs a time uh, a time of uh, patience and uh, a time where we allow God to work, where we spend time in prayer with him. And I encourage you, try to... Don't pray for an hour just so you can say you did one time, but learn to, learn to have fellowship with the Lord. Learn to be able to sit down and, and really communicate with God. And I know, especially our younger generation, um, they don't talk to anybody for any length of time. Uh, if we, could have a, if we had a, 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 a texting process, they'd probably text their prayers to the Lord a lot more than they talk. And so our younger generation, really, they're probably going to struggle more than anybody in praying just because they don't know how to talk anymore or communicate. Um, but it's important that we learn to communicate with the Lord in prayer. Not does prayer need a time, but second of all tonight, I want to say that prayer needs a place. Prayer needs a place. And this is dealing with how to have power in our prayer. It's important that we have time for prayer, but it's also important that we have a place for prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 6, the Bible says, but when you pray, go into your room or um, depending on what translation, your closet and shut the door and pray to your father, which is secret and your father, uh, which sees in secret will reward you. Um, again, the King James uses the word closet here, and it's really the same word that's translated in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 26, that there is translated as a secret room, the same word is. So it's, it's really not so much a closet we think of as a closed closet where you hang your clothes, but it is a inner room within a house that was kind of a room that was hidden away out of sight. And it was a place that was kind of out of the normal flow of traffic within a home. It was a place that was kind of solitaire and to itself, a place that was quiet and secluded. And Jesus said, when you pray, go to that quiet, secluded spot and pray. Shut the door and have some quietness and stillness when you pray. You can and you should pray anywhere. 
Prayer should be a continual endeavor that follows us everywhere we go in life. Yet without a designated place of prayer, it may be difficult to engage in a true depth of holy place of prayer. We should seek a place that allows us the opportunity to avoid distractions and interruptions. Um, earlier this week, I had to slip away. Uh, just there's where my office is at. I'm grateful for it, but there's a lot of flow of people coming through, and I get tied up a lot. And I needed a place just to get away and pray and have some quiet time with the Lord. So after I made some visitations, I I slipped up. I was other side of Inglewood, and I slipped up to Teleco for a little bit and uh, got out there where I had no phone service and in my dress clothes, walked out there and found a stump in the middle of the river and just had some time by myself with the Lord. And uh, sometimes we have to find a quiet place to be able to pray. And Jesus encouraged that. We need a place of prayer. My great, or some of my greatest times of prayer, you probably won't believe this, but some of my greatest time of prayer I've ever had, I love deer season. You go sit in a tree stand somewhere hanging off the side of a tree uh, in the deer woods hunting, and most of the time you don't have any phone service. There's nobody to talk to. You're just sitting there waiting on a silly deer to walk by, and you've got hours at a time just to do nothing else, and boy, talk about my time to pray. I can do some praying while I'm deer hunting. No distractions, nothing to do, just time with me and God. And so it's important that we need a place of prayer where we're not going to talk to anybody. Our attention is not going to be diverted. It's just us and the Lord. I wonder, do you have a place for praying? Do you have a place set aside for prayer? In uh, ancient Japanese culture, and they still, uh, I guess, even in modern days, but in the ancient Japanese culture, most homes had a dojo. And you've probably heard of that, and you think martial arts and karate when you think of a dojo. But the truth is that for the Japanese people, it was a place set aside for, originally it was a, a place for meditation and prayer um, and to Buddha and other uh, gods and so I'm not saying I have a dojo in your house but even the ancient Japanese recognized a place that needed to be set aside for prayer and meditation and yet the average Christian home has no such place and I think it's important that we say listen I'm going to have a place where this is my place to meet with God there was a preacher that long time ago that lived that who's, uh, they, his name was uh, Hyde but he prayed so much, they called him, his nickname was Praying Hyde. And they said that when he passed away, you went, they went into his home and his wife showed him the spot. And it was a, a, just in their bedroom over against a wall, but he prayed in one spot. And they said they went in there and looked and the wood floors were divoted and bowed where he had spent so much time on his knees in prayer. His knees had uh, made permanent indentions in the wood floor where he prayed so much in that spot. He had a place of prayer. And so I believe that it's important that we have a place of prayer. And I wonder, do you have a place of prayer? And if not, I encourage you to find that place of prayer where you can talk with the Lord. 
growing up in Wyoming, we lived in Rollins, Wyoming, and there was a man in our church, and uh, we all got a kick out of it, uh, as we found out, but he was sharing one day his place of prayer, and he said the only place he could find in his house with quiet was the bathroom. And uh, he told us he used to go sit on the toilet, but he'd turn around and face the back of it. And he'd use the back of the toilet to lay his Bible there in his prayer list. And, and, the, and the porcelain throne was his prayer room. I'm not telling you to use a porcelain throne for your prayer room, but have a place of prayer. Wherever it might be, have a place where you say, listen, this is my place where I'm going to talk to God. And so I encourage you to do that. Um, if we want to have power in our prayer life, then we must have purpose in our prayer life. We must learn to say, listen, God, I want to give you the time. I want to dedicate to you the time that is necessary. Um, when I was a kid, and I'm going to get sidetracked here giving illustrations, but uh, we had, my dad had been, a, he was here Sunday. Some of y'all met him. Um, the ministry he's with, they had a conference at annually once a year and uh, you'd have a hundred missionaries and pastors that would c come from all over and their families and there'd be a big crowd and every year on Thursday night the big thing was they would have an all-night prayer meeting and since I was a little just a little fella I remember going and being a part of those all-night prayer meetings now as an eight, nine-year-old boy, I wouldn't quite pray all night long, but uh, I could pray for a good, good bit of time. Uh, uh, much through the night, as a young man, I would learn to pray. And so I thank the Lord I was taught how to pray as a young boy. But I remember even with all these pastors and missionaries, they would come in and they would start the all-night prayer meeting, and they would be 60, 70, sometimes even 80 uh, preachers that were there for this all-night prayer meeting. And that would start about 9 or 10 o'clock. And by midnight, there probably wasn't 30 left. And this was pastors, missionaries, and preachers. And by the few times as a young man, I made it all the way to breakfast in the morning. Normally, if there was 10 men left, it was a miracle. All-night prayer meetings. And yet, those used to be common. Has North Etowah ever had an all-night prayer meeting like that that y'all know of? I'm seeing some, some heads shaking, yes. Been a while, though. <laughs> Long time. I'm not saying we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting tonight. Y'all don't look at me nervous. Like, is he going to ask us to do that? <laughs> but what happened to praying? It used to be a priority to the church. And the church used to have power. Well, what happened? God has not changed. We have. Nothing's changed with God. But somewhere along the line, we got off track. And so I, my encouragement is, find a place for prayer. We're coming up to revival here in, a, I guess, seven, eight weeks. And uh, as we get a little bit closer, we're going to start praying for this revival meeting. I mean, as a church, I say we're going to pray. Let me rephrase that. I'm going to encourage and beg you to pray whether you do or not is up to you. But we need to get back to prayer. There's nothing else besides the gospel message I can preach that's going to help us more than anything 
than us learning how to pray. If we get back to fellowshipping with God, talking to Him, pouring our hearts out, letting Him pour into us, um, He'll begin to change our hearts. But we have to love Him enough to do it. And another part of, and I'm getting sidetracked, y'all just bear with me here for a minute. Another aspect of prayer, taking time for prayer, is a big aspect of prayer isn't always me doing this right here. Sometimes the best part of prayer is me doing this. And letting the Holy Spirit speak to my heart in that still, small voice. Pray, then stop and listen for a little bit. You might be surprised what God is wanting to say to us, and we won't be quiet long enough for him to speak. And so pray, give time for prayer, and then give, um, uh, have that uh, place in prayer. Lord willing, next week we're going to look at two more aspects, the other two points of this, which is uh, we should allow the Bible to have its place in prayer. I hinted a few weeks ago about praying through the Psalms, and that's important. But the Bible is an important part, an important aspect of prayer. And so, and then fourthly, which we'll look again at next week, is let the teacher teach you how to pray. People say, preacher, how do I pray? Um, it's important that we learn how to pray. Well, how do we learn how to pray? We do like the disciples did and say, Lord, teach us to pray and then let Jesus be our example. And so we'll look at that next week. And I hope that you're getting much out of this prayer, uh, study on prayer. And I don't believe I'm probably teaching you anything that you don't already know. My prayer is that as a church, we'll just get a renewed interest in prayer and a new heart and desire to do it more, um, more fervently. And so I, I pray that the Lord is speaking to your heart um, through this.